Hello, I'm James Jacobson, and welcome. Welcome to The Long Leash. We are deep into the holiday season now. Christmas trees are up and decorations are everywhere. And there's even a bit of winter weather in the Northern Hemisphere, even where I live. People, well, people are getting together and they're celebrating the holidays this year. And for our dogs, well, that can spell trouble because there are so many more temptations and things to get into and to taste and to do. And and that is why perhaps there are so many more vet emergencies at this time of year. And today, you are going to hear some of the weirdest dog-related stories that, that we've ever heard from a bulldog whose vomit smelled like wine, but it wasn't, to finding a cat in, well, the most unexpected place that you can imagine. Our guest today is Jenna Mahan. Jenna Mahan has seen a few things in her 15 years, first as a registered veterinary technician, and then her last 10 years in the claims department at Embrace Pet Insurance. So please go grab a cup of coffee or your favorite holiday cheer, or perhaps a little nibble of that holiday treat, because I think you will enjoy this enlightening and at times downright funny conversation with a woman who has dedicated her career to helping people in crisis help their pets. Jenna Mahan, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about some weird Christmas things, holiday claims. (laughs) It is that time of the year when, you know, some weird things can happen to our doggies. And uh, you are with an insurance company. There's the other human insurance company that says, you know, we've been there. We've seen it. We know (laughs) those things. So that's what I wanted to explore with you because you've been with Embrace for a while. 10 years. And I bet you have seen some interesting claims over the years. I have seen some things. What are some unusual, you know, tragedies or things that have happened around the holiday that you've experienced in the claims department? Well, um, most of what I will recall for weird things that have happened would be from before being at Embrace. Embrace, we see a lot of like Christmas vomiting and diarrhea claims. We see dogs who eat Christmas baubles from the tree. Mm -hmm. So especially those the glass ones. I know even my Labrador, he thinks it's the best time to just take one of those glass balls off the tree and pop it. Like he's popping a tennis ball and he'll just pop it in his mouth and glass goes everywhere. But I do have a couple cool stories from when I worked in emergency hospitals. Okay. So one takeaway is those glass ornaments. No good. They're old fashioned. Let's go to the non-destructive ones. That's interesting. The plastic ones are less expensive (laughs) and so much less dangerous. And when you pack them up at the end of the year, you don't have to worry about breaking them or having your dog explode them in his mouth. I just put them all back in the bin. They don't have to go back in their little, you know, egg carton style (laughs) safety devices. No. So I do remember a great story. We had an English bulldog come into the emergency clinic on Christmas day Mm -hmm. and he was puking up wine basically. So (laughs) we're like, we don't know what 
The people came in, they don't know what's wrong with their dog. They obviously did not give the dog wine. You don't want to give alcohol to a pet. It's a good tip. They have no idea what he got into. And he's literally throwing up copious amounts of liquid that smelled alcoholic. We have no idea what's going on. We took an x-ray. There's a whole bunch of something in his stomach. We did gastric lavage, Mm -hmm. which is something where you'll sedate an animal while anesthetize them. Basically, it's like pumping a stomach in a human, Mm -hmm. but you're doing it under anesthesia for a dog, and all these things are coming up the tube. You're flushing water in and then sucking water out, and all these like red, green, yellow, orange chunks are coming out in the tube. Like, what is this? And this was at like two in the morning on Christmas Day. The owner called back and said, we just figured out that we are missing five pounds of gummy bears. We found them. So it turns out that this English bulldog, who was probably only 40 pounds, ate five pounds Mm. of gummy bears that they had out for the kids on Christmas Eve. They're made of real fruit juice. So they fermented in the dog's stomach and made him drunk. He was literally vomiting up wine. And these little things that were coming up the gastric lavage tube were gummy bears where the um, facial features and hands were melted off by the gastric juices. So that's a weird one, I thought. I I think gummy bears fermenting in the dog's belly to turn into wine. I would put that up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the weirdest one I've ever seen. It was my weirdest Christmas day. <laughs> well, it was a good thing it wasn't that one of those gummy bears that are like CBD gummy bears and they're and all, all sorts Yes, of or the sugar-free ones. Those are actually a huge problem for dogs. Because of so the they are sweetened with xylitol, yes, and they can cause blood sugar issues and renal disease and all sorts of bad things. And xylitol is in a lot of things now. It's in marshmallows, which I just learned. So if you're putting, you know, marshmallows on top of your sweet potato casserole mm-hmm. or or whatever for the holiday, you have to be careful about that. As one does in the Midwest. Yes, you're in Ohio. Of course so we we'll do. have to qualify that. <laughs> okay. Is that not a national thing? I'm not People quite don't sure. do that. I'm not quite sure. That's, oh, that's goodness. the, the original it's the, the original pilgrims didn't like get out their craft marshmallows. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. Your jet puff marshmallows. But it's in peanut butter too. Really? Yes, it's in a lot of peanut butters now and the marshmallows, gum, of course, and a lot of things that are sugar-free will have xylitol in them instead. So that's a real big risk. That'll kill a dog. Wow. And yeah, I think I've seen xylitol in uh, keto ice cream and things like that. Basically, it is a sugar alcohol. Yep. It's derived from sugar, so it can be called all natural. (laughs) But um, dogs just don't process it the way that people do. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some other tragedies or disasters that you've seen in your years of being a vet tech and at the pet insurance company? Do you want a real gross one? Sure. Okay. We love real gross ones because then we can feel a little bit better that this isn't happening to our (laughs) dog. Well, the grossest one I ever saw was at that same emergency clinic. I don't know what it was with that area. Lorraine, Ohio. If you know it, you love it. (laughs) If you don't, stay away. (laughs) So a German short hair pointer came in and he was also vomiting. And we took an x-ray. There's some stuff in the stomach and um, it looked like bones. And this dog did spend a lot of time outside. I think he lived outside most of the time. And we had no idea what he ate, but it was obstructing his stomach. So it needed to come out. 
So we were going in for surgery and I was taking the deposit from the owner of the dog and she was so upset and I was felt so bad for her. And then she's leaving and walking out the door and saying, I just can't believe this happened. I lost my cat two weeks ago and now my dog is sick. We found the cat. <gasps> mm. Yeah. The German short hair pointer had eaten poor kitty cat and become obstructed and wasn't able to pass the bones. It was really disgusting. And the smell. Whew, okay. That's a really gross that is, one. That is a gross yeah. one. You you warned us, but uh, I so did. <laughs> I won't even make a doggy dog joke about that. That is uh <laughs> that is that is tough. Did you have to give the news I know to give the news or did the veterinarian do that? Yes. You did. I had to do it. Now how do you brace yourself for that conversation? How do you like hi, I'm just calling for Well, I mean as a vet tech, you you just really learn how to give the bad news sometimes, and mm-hmm. and it's it's something that you're you're either trained to do in school or you learn it on the job. You just have to stay calmer than they are, yeah. <laughs> and you know talk slowly and clearly and be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. I've had to tell many people that their pet has passed away or isn't going to make it or. Even some of the really hard things are just talking about money. Mm. So a lot of times the veterinarian doesn't have time to go in on an emergency case and and talk to the pet parent about the estimate. That's a vet tax job. Mm-hmm. And that is some of the hardest conversations is just talking about money. How much is this going to cost you? Do you have the money to put down on this dog's tragic hit by car, needs surgery, all of those things. And not to, you know, bring it back around to insurance, but. (laughs) But if you Um, had insurance, you would feel secure. Yeah. Well, for sure. It's one of those things that you wish you had when you need it. But beforehand, you're like, I don't need it. A dog's never going to get sick. Oh, every dog gets sick. It's the unfortunate, you know, fact of owning pets. They all get sick. They all pass way too soon. Their lifespans are horribly short. And I don't know, it's just preparing for the future so that you know when you go into that emergency clinic or you have to go see a specialist that you're not going to bankrupt yourself having to do it. So in terms of emergencies that are common during the holidays, let's get more into that. So eating the cat, probably not that common. No. Um, Eating glass ornaments, unfortunately, (laughs) I guess a serious thing, and although it sounds kind of funny. It is. What are some other things that, that you have seen that you guys have encountered? A lot of it ends up just being food related ate something, like they get pancreatitis so easily after the holidays just due to high fat foods or highly spiced or seasoned foods. So ham for sure, big on the holidays. It is very salty, of course, and a high fat content and dogs just really can't tolerate all of that. And they get pancreatitis very easily, which will show up as vomiting and diarrhea. And it's quite painful, actually. They get abdominal pain from it. So that's probably the most common thing we see after the holidays. And pancreatitis can be quite serious because once you have it, it can. it's more likely to come back. It is, yes. So once your pancreas is angry the first time, it gets angrier, easier, and easier. It's like a 
it's like your pancreas needs to go for anger resolution <laughs> classes, but you just can't do that. Yeah. So just making the stomach feel better and a bland diet. And sometimes you can just get away with things like that. But sometimes they need hospitalization with IV fluids and x-rays and pain medicine and, and all of those things. And, and it can get pretty serious okay. and expensive. So what other food things do you see dogs getting into on the holidays? Well, candies and cookies mm-hmm. and chocolate, mm-hmm. of course. Those are always big issues this time of year. Chocolate, of course, toxic to dogs. Depends on the kind of chocolate. And, you know, the size of your dog, if your dog eats one chocolate chip cookie, it's going to make it. Mm -hmm. If he eats some baker's chocolate that you were rolling some truffles in, you know, that's a much higher theobromine toxic dose that you could have some real problems with. There's always a lot of drugs too. So dogs who get into the CBD things, the gummies, you know, families have a good time. Leave something available that <laughs> dogs shouldn't get into. Brownies. Yes, special yeah, brownies. Yeah. Things like, well, tinsel is always one of those things that people, I, you know, I haven't seen tinsel for sale in quite a long time, but that's one of the things that people get warned away from all the time for Christmas. Don't decorate with tinsel. I mean, it's a huge bad thing. It can cut through the intestines of a pet. That's usually a cat thing. Dogs don't seem to care too much about tinsel, but... I mean, it's dangly and shiny. Mm. My cat would go after it for sure. And so what are the other risks associated around the Christmas tree? I guess the whole Christmas tree itself. Yeah. Chewing on light strings, becoming electrocuted. That's always a fun one. Mm -hmm. I've seen a couple cats especially try to climb the tree and get tangled in the lights, freak the heck out, knock the tree over, break legs, get a little strangled maybe in lights. I've seen that happen. This is where we go into the other insurance company, the human (laughs) knocks down the tree, causes a fire, explodes the town all because the cat went in the tree. Yes. These things can happen. Agreed. All of those things. I have a cat right now who loves to take my ornaments out and chew them up. And thankfully, she's had no problems. But I do get, I have changed my ornaments because of it. There's these little styrofoam balls that she loves. They're like, they look like snowballs. And I put them in my tree last year. She took half of them out and chewed them up. And then I realized that they were coated in this really like chunky glitter. Mm. And I worry about things like that, causing stomach irritation, esophageal irritation, things like that, where that could that could really cause a problem. So I didn't use those this year. Just just don't tempt them to do the bad things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then hopefully you'll be safer. And now when it comes to the holiday table, you have some thoughts on that too. Yes, of course. So like I said, no um, high fat foods, mm-hmm. no highly seasoned foods. So if you think about pumpkin pie, well, pumpkin is great for dogs. It's high fiber. It's flavorful. They usually will eat it on its own. But if you think of pumpkin pie filling, that's got quite a bit of fat in it and the cinnamon and the ginger and the nutmeg and all the spices that go into it can be kind of rough on dogs. Mm. If you look at things like stuffing, so my sister-in-law makes the best stuffing, but it has raisins in it. And I don't know if that's just a Midwest thing too. It could be. You add raisins and marshmallows. Yeah, yeah. But raisins are, of course, very toxic for dogs. Right. They cause renal failure. 
Things like onions and garlic can cause hemolytic anemia in dogs. Usually they have to be in larger doses, but you don't want a dog, you know, building up a dose throughout the day. You know, 15 different family members give your small dog a bite of something that has onions and garlic in it. That could be a problem. That can actually cause all the red blood cells in your dog's body to just pop. Hmm. And that's, that's not great for oxygenation. And then in terms of other, like the plants, people like poinsettias and mistletoe, those are poisonous, right? They are. Poinsettia is always one of those things that's blamed as being very toxic, but really in reality, a dog would have to eat like 15 of them to have a toxic dose. Sometimes they'll eat just like a couple leaves or something. They might throw up once or twice, but they're probably going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But mistletoe and... What's the other one? Holly. Mm. That's very toxic. With the red berries. Yes, yeah. the red berries and the leaves and the oil that they make mm. can be pretty toxic to animals. Another thing I've heard a lot about is potpourri. So you put out potpourri from the holidays. You know, a lot of people do like a balsam scented. If you have a fake tree, you put out things that smell like real trees mm-hmm. to get that smell in your house. But the oils that they use can be toxic if they're ingested and they can cause irritation on the skin. Mm. Wow. Okay. Any other final thoughts in terms of weird things to avoid so that you don't have to bring your dog to the vet? The last one I was thinking about was food on your Christmas tree. Candy canes and such? Or what else do you guys do in Ohio? Candy canes, stringing popcorn. Ooh. Stringing cranberries, Mm. that's a very popular thing, Mm -hmm. at least in my Midwestern area. That's probably something to stay away from. Okay. So just a very, you know, traditional tree with some good fake satin ornaments. Yes. (laughs) Things that won't be very attractive and keep a barrier. I want to take a break, but when we come back, I actually kind of want to delve into the question that you were talking about earlier. We talked about a little bit about insurance and about the relative costs and things that people should look for. Because as we make our New Year's resolutions for the new year, one of the things that people might be thinking about is adding that to protect your dogs or your pets. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. (laughs) No matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. It just makes me feel good in this life and the next, and the next, and the next. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com. 
where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back with Jenna Mahan. Thank you so much, Jenna. Let's talk a little bit about insurance because you work for one of the many pet insurance companies out there. You work for Embrace and you've seen a lot of interesting claims. One of the things that, you know, I think people get confused about is my dog is healthy. I don't need insurance and it's kind of expensive and it's not going to help out in the long term. But the long term is really when you need it for, Mm -hmm. you know, when your pet's healthy, that's when you should get it because there's no insurance company out there, pet insurance company that covers pre-existing conditions. Right. None of them do. Right. So if you get the pet insurance when your dog is healthy, when they're a puppy, then everything's going to be covered down the road. You know, But if you get pet insurance for an eight-year-old dog, which I still think you should do, But then you just have to realize that anything that's happened previously or shown signs previously isn't going to be covered. You're still going to be covered for new things that pop up down the road. You just aren't going to be covered for the things that have already happened. So we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast and listen to other shows here on Dog Podcast Network who have dogs that have cancer or been diagnosed with cancer. When does an insurance company cover cancer treatment? As long as it's not pre-existing. Okay. We cover everything. I mean, we cover diagnosis, chemo, radiation, all of the things. Go home, chemotherapy medicines, specialty oncologists. As long as that mass or that cancer or clinical sign of the cancer, it wasn't present pre-policy or in the waiting period, then you're golden and those things are covered and you can just take care of your dog or cat and not worry about, you know, how to pay for it. Do you cover things like, I know in Great Britain, pet insurance companies, which are a lot more popular in the United Kingdom than they are in the U.S. They are. Do you cover things like uh, nutritional supplements if they're prescribed by the vet? We do cover supplements under our optional wellness rewards program. Mm -hmm. So the insurance itself covers medication that's FDA approved. Mm -hmm. So Everything else, supplements and like things like denimerin and glucosamine mm-hmm. and those sorts of things are all covered under our the wellness program. Okay, so that's like an extra rider that you buy. So let's talk dollars and cents. So you have a new puppy. Is it you start at a low rate and then it keeps going up throughout the life of the dog? It does. Certainly your premium is based on three basic factors. So where you live. So if you're Mm. in the Midwest like me and your veterinary care bills aren't too expensive, that will be reflected in your premium. If you live in New York City or Seattle or Hawaii, (laughs) where your veterinary care expenses are higher, you're going to pay a bit more in premium because we'll end up reimbursing you more on your claim. I just went to the vet yesterday and left $2,000 poorer. Yeah. With obviously no insurance. Yeah. So I was definitely thinking about, huh. 
That would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So one of the factors is where do you live? So where you live, how old your dog is, the younger the dog, the less you're going to pay because the less things are going to be wrong with it. Mm-hmm. It does go up over time as your dog ages because the chance of you needing to make a claim and be reimbursed are higher. And your dog's breed. Mm. So obviously mixed breed dogs and smaller dogs have less health issues. You know, your big dogs like Great Danes and St. Bernard's and things like that, they're going to cost more because they unfortunately have smaller lifespans and they have bigger, more expensive problems. If you don't know your dog's age, say you rescued it, how does that work? You know, because this dog has some medical history, but you don't know what it is and you don't know how old the dog is. Yeah. Well, usually you want to go to the vet before, you know, when you first get an animal, you go to the vet and make sure everything's okay. And Mm -hmm. we'll just take whatever age the veterinarian uses in the medical history to start your policy. So if your vet looks at it and says, well, this is maybe six years old, we'll go with six years old. Mm -hmm. They know best. So we'll take their opinion on the age. Okay. So you rely in terms of your underwriting they, they rely on what the veterinarian is saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then how easy is insurance when it comes to actually making a claim? Is that something you pay the vet and then you have to file a claim and then get reimbursed? Or does the veterinarian, is it more like human medicine in the United States? It is usually a reimbursement basis. So all but I think one pet insurance company works on a reimbursement basis. So you pay your vet, you submit the claim to us, and then we reimburse you. And submitting the claims, I mean, all of the companies have come leaps and bounds in the past couple of years mm. on how easy it is to submit a claim. Literally, you use our app, you snap a picture of your invoice, you put in the reason your pet was at the vet, and you say, go. And then you have usually an answer in five to seven days, and then we can reimburse you through ACH, direct deposit, and you get your money back in two days. And what percentage of the money do you get back? It depends on what kind of policy you want. So you choose your coverages. So we have coverage up to... I think $30,000, depending on the state, so that it would be reimbursable up to $30,000 a year. You choose your reimbursement percentage. So that goes anywhere from, I think, 75 is most states. It it varies by state. Mm -hmm. Um, But so anywhere from 75 to 90% reimbursement. So that we will take a little copay on most of those policies. And then you get... 80, 90% back. Okay. And then you're in the claims department. So what does a claims department person do? Because I think the perception is, oh, they're just there to deny my claim. And I'm sure that's not the case. Oh, goodness, no. No, we actually wouldn't be able to retain any employees (laughs) because that would be the most depressing job ever. (laughs) You just have to say no. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) No. We actually hire vet techs. So we have... I have, I think, 52 veterinary technicians from all over the U.S., and they interpret medical history. A lot of it is still handwritten, so there's a lot of interpretation necessary. 
they look at medical history, they'll pick out what's pre-existing, and then they'll they'll compare your claims to what we have listed as pre-existing conditions. And as long as nothing is the same, then the claim is covered. And Embrace is actually, our statistic right now is 93 to 94% of all claims are covered. Hmm. So we really try to get everything covered as possible. We're still, you know, beholden to our terms and conditions and we have an underwriter and, you know, company we have to answer to, but we try everything we can do to look at the gray areas and and try to get everything covered that we can. And then when you have more than one veterinarian, I mean, basically all the medical records from all the vets is something that the claims department is going to be reviewing when they analyze a claim. Yes. Okay. Yep. So we'll look at the full history. The full history. Okay. So you guys spend a lot of time in the weeds decoding veterinary handwriting. Oh goodness, yes. Because <laughs> it's not. We don't quite have electronic yes. medical records to the extent that we do with humans. No. About thirty percent of our medical history that comes in is still handwritten. And goodness, the stereotype is true about doctors' handwriting. <laughs> it is just as true for veterinarian handwriting. We actually have like a Teams, Microsoft Teams chat where we'll send pictures back and forth all day. What do you think this says? I'm not sure what that says. What do you think it says? So um, all day, all day. Wow. (laughs) What are some of the other like unknowns that you think are kind of interesting that are unique to the pet insurance industry behind the scenes, things that most people don't know? Well, I would think that if you're looking for pet insurance, you really just need to compare and contrast. And depending on what is important to you, it is the best way to look at how to make a decision for what pet insurance you want. So there's companies out there that don't cover exam fees. Mm -hmm. So they just don't cover them. We do. Some companies don't. And that's kind of like a second deductible. And to me, that would concern me because even though veterinary care in my area isn't super expensive, if I want to see a specialist, it's still like $175 for that exam. Mm -hmm. So that's important to me. There are some pet insurances that don't cover alternative and complementary care. Mm -hmm. So they don't cover like chiropractics or acupuncture. Embrace does cover it, but it's not actually something I do for my pets. So for me, that would be something that wouldn't be a huge like differentiator for me. But if you're someone who does those things, then that's important to you. You should get a company that covers those things. So I think that just looking at the different websites, they all pretty much now have comparison pages with the rows and the columns and the X's and the check marks. And you can figure out what's important to you and figure out which company fits you best, which of course I think is Embrace Pet Insurance, but it might not be the best one for you. And that's okay. There is a proliferation of pet insurance companies in the United States. And are there brokers like there are with, you know, people insurance where you can go to an independent broker and then they will help you navigate the the range? No. No. I think it will be forever until that happens, Hmm. though. I think that that will become a thing eventually because there are so many companies. Mm. There's actually, I think, seven new companies just this year. Mm. So there's a lot of little bitty baby insurance companies. And I actually would probably stay away from some of the newest ones. You know, pet insurance is a very growing industry. And you brought up the UK. Mm -hmm. So the UK has like a 40% penetration rate. So 40% of people who have pets in the UK have pet insurance. 
In the U.S., it's still 2%. 2% versus 40%. And we have a lot exactly. of listeners in England. Wow. Yes. So it's growing. It's growing exponentially year over year. It was 1% back when I started in pet insurance. So thankfully it's growing. But because of that, a lot of companies are seeing an opportunity. They're seeing an opportunity to get into a quick growing industry, but they haven't really thought through all the things. So Embrace has been around for 15 years. We have really great systems in place. We have really great data in you know, we've collected this data for 15 years. So we know how to calculate exactly what your premium should be so that you're not paying too much. So, so much of this is the actuarial risk that, you know, like, what do you yes. want to do when you grow up? I'd like to be an actuary. No one ever said. I would like to do math. I want to do day. math and, and, and look at these crazy things like how many times you will have an ornament. That is made of glass yes. breaking into, or how many gummy bears can turn ferment into wine. The amount of times they say things like frequency and severity, it should be like a shot game. Every time they say something <laughs> like that, the actuaries, Quarters. you just take a shot. <laughs> yes, it's it's crazy. But but they know their stuff. Right. And because of all the data we have and, and companies that have been around a long time have, we know that we're setting the right premium. We know that we're not taking too much risk. And the claim systems are already in place. And that's why I personally would be more apt to trust a company that's been around longer than one of these new baby companies. What is your, I don't know how much you know about this. So if you don't, we won't even get into it. But the economics, the meta economics, obviously money is being drawn into the pet insurance industry. You said that like you have an underwriter to report to. So I'm assuming these underwriters are the people who are kind of making the money in this process because they're absorbing the risk and receiving the reward. Do these underwriters underwrite multiple pet insurance companies or no? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So our underwriter does not. We are their only pet insurance product. Okay. But there are other companies, there's a company out there that they have their own brand, and then they also underwrite several other mm -hmm. brands. Sometimes they're the same terms and conditions, and sometimes they're completely different. It's all depends on the company. So it goes both ways. And because this is the long leash, and we like to go on a long leash, what are some of the, like, are these underwriters, is the big money coming from human insurance, life insurance, or pet product, you know, chocolate companies that seem to own a lot of, <laughs> a lot of vet clinics and pet food companies or what? Mostly big insurance companies. So we're underwritten by American Modern Insurance Group, and they're underwritten by Munich Re. Okay. So that's a big insurance group. We used to be underwritten by Lloyd's of London mm -hmm. and RLI. So usually bigger insurance companies are doing the underwriting portion of a pet insurance company. And it's interesting. I mean, I'm assuming Munich as in Munich, Germany, and obviously Lloyd's of London mm -hmm. in London. What we're seeing here in the United States is that these European and, and international companies are understanding the value of pet insurance and how incredibly nascent the American market is. Yes, it's finally opening up here. It's finally growing. <laughs> Your in dog the US. has joined us. Uh, you have to do yes. an introduction. <laughs> this is Lewis, the naughty Labrador. <laughs> um, he is eight years old and he is a giant troublemaker. And yes, he's mad right now that he is not under a blanket because oh. it's cold here. <laughs> oh. Sorry. No, oh, he's fine. Yeah, so just, you said before we started, he said it snowed yesterday and now it's mud. So yeah. I bet he would. Mud. <laughs> 
So if you were not with the insurance company and you were talking to a friend about getting insurance, what are the things that you would say to encourage them to do it? Um, don't risk your entire financial security on not doing it. I mean, you know, working in emergency clinics, I worked in emergency clinics for about 15 years and I saw a lot of economic euthanasia. Hmm. So things that can be treated, you know, but you have to have the funds to do it. So break that down. I mean, I think it's self-explanatory, but economic euthanasia, deciding to put your dog down because you can't afford the veterinary treatment. Absolutely. A lot of people will have to make the call between paying their mortgage and paying to get their dog's knee fixed Mm -hmm. or broken leg repaired. You know, I saw tons and tons of young pets euthanized due to economic hardship. You know, you have to feed your children, you have to pay your car payment. And sometimes the vet bills aren't as important as those things. And that's absolutely understood in the veterinary world that that is something, there are other things that are more important. And it's unfortunate for me, for the owners who have to euthanize their pets for these reasons, but it's also just reality. You know, some things have to be more important. And we saw it hundreds of times a year where animals had to be put to sleep because the owners couldn't afford to do what needed to be done to save their pet's life or to prevent suffering. So let's talk a little bit about the economics. It's a supply chain issue, yes. obviously, because you know if there's less of it, prices go up. And we're seeing a lot of that these days. Yes, we absolutely are. We're seeing it in everything from lumber to toilet paper to medical supplies. So it's not a surprise that veterinary prices are going to continue to increase. Vets are also overwhelmed. There are people who can't get appointments mm. for until February. We actually just had a, a pet parent saying today that his cat has eye discharge. No big thing, but needs to be seen. He can't get in until February mm. unless he just goes to an emergency clinic. And emergency clinics are just as overwhelmed as all the vet clinics. So it's a hard thing. The vet clinics are overwhelmed. A lot of them are still doing parking lot contact only. And that Mm -hmm. slows them down throughout the day, but it's safer. So I get that. It makes it harder on everyone and it makes the cost go up. Wow. Any final thoughts or things that you'd like to leave us with in terms of things to avoid this holiday and, and why you should consider pet insurance in the new year? No big final thoughts. Just I'm glad we're talking about this. I'm glad that a podcast like yours is reaching out and trying to, you know, get the message out to the public that pet insurance is important and it could it could save your pet. It could save you from financial disaster and save your pet at the same time. And of course, we don't want to see dogs sick or injured. So protect them as much as you can throughout the holidays. Jenna Mahan from Embrace Pet Insurance, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me anytime. Well, that is it for today's show. All the links are in our show notes and on our website at longleashshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend or two or maybe three about The Long Leash and be sure that you follow or subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app. We're also available on YouTube. If you'd like to get in touch with us, well, we're on all the socials and you can find those links on our website at longleashshow.com. Our thanks to Jenna Mahan for being our guest today, but most of all, 
I want to thank you for hitting that play button and spending some time with me today. I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.